Well, God bless you, my beloved. This is Minister S. N. Crockett, Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord Christian Fellowship, coming to you this 13th of March, the Ides of March. Coming to you this 13th, Sunday, the 13th of March, with our twice-weekly, the second installment of our twice-weekly broadcast, The Truth of the Gospel. The Truth, hallelujah, of the Gospel. Coming to you this morning, we're going to finish First John chapter 2. We're going to finish First John chapter 2. We went as far as verse 20 on Friday night, and then the session before that, we did, I believe it was verses 1 through 12. So the first session, which would have been uh, last Sunday, I want to say, we did First John 2, 1 through 12. And then we did, this past Friday, we did First John 2, I believe 12 through 20. And now First John has um, 29 verses. First John chapter 2 has 29 verses. So uh, we're going to pick up around verse 18. We're going to go 18 through 29. And then Lord willing, next Friday we'll do First John chapter 3. First John has five chapters. So the name of our lesson is Walking with Jesus through First John. Walking with Jesus. There's nobody else you want to walk with. Hallelujah. Don't walk with me. Walk with Jesus. I mean, walk with me as I walk with Jesus, but you want to walk with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for he will take you to places that you never could imagine. And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into First John chapter 2. We're going to pray for the nation, for the world. We're going to pray for the church. We know that churches had to make a very difficult decision. Uh, I'm blessed in a sense that I don't have to raise money to do this. I only have to have the Internet. But churches that depend on thousands and even hundreds of thousands, even in some cases millions of dollars every week to continue to operate, uh, they're finding themselves now uh, having to make decisions about uh, whether to hold services on, on their campuses, etc. That, that can be a very excruciating decision. Uh, and so we're going to pray for those churches, especially those churches that believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. That those true believers, those pastors who are really trying to do the will of God and serve God's people and preach the gospel of God's dear son. We, we, I've been praying for them and fasting for them, uh, and I will continue to do so, and I ask that you do the same with me. Uh, we're going to get through this. Um, this is a sign of the end times. Uh, we've been in the end times since the day of Pentecost. These are the last days that we're in. And, and, and the predictions in the Bible were that there would be an increase in earthquakes and, and pestilences, which the word pestilence means plagues. This is not the worst one. There was one in 1918 that killed over half a million people in the United States and possibly as many as 100 million people worldwide. That was 1918 during World War One. It was called the Spanish Flu, although it didn't originate in Spain. But it was called the Spanish flu for certain other reasons that I won't won't go into right now. That one that one was that one was the worst recorded in history. You had the bub you had the bubonic plague during the Middle Ages. You had several bad um, influenza um, pandemics. So this one right here, you had the one in two thousand and nine. You had the SARS, the MERS, etc. So this is not the first, but these are all signs of the times. Jesus said these things would occur, and Jesus cannot lie. For he is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He cannot lie. And he said in the last days, these things will happen. He gave through the spirit of prophecy he gave to his apostles that same um, prophetic insight. 
And Paul would say things like in First Timothy, Second uh, Timothy chapter three, Paul would say things like, "This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come; men will be lovers of their own selves, etc." Jesus, in his Olivet Discourse, he talked about the last days. Of course, the Olivet Discourse, the events in the Olivet Discourse have not occurred yet, but there are events such as what's going on now that are leading up to that time. So we cannot ignore these things as signs of the time. We don't know when, we don't know when, Jesus, when Jesus will return for the church, for he has not told us that. No man knows that hour. But he did say there would be signs of the end times. He gave the analogy. He said, if you can tell uh, when it's going to be good weather or bad weather, he said, he, he said to his critics, he said, you can tell when it's going to be good weather. There was a saying when I was growing up, red sky in the morning is a sailor's warning. Red sky, red sky at, the, at night is a sailor's delight. So you could tell by the atmosphere, by the sky, what kind of weather it was going to be. And Jesus said to his um his critics, you can tell those signs, but yet you can't discern the signs of the time. Meaning he was saying then you can't discern that your Messiah has arrived, that you're that the fulfillment of the prophets, which Jesus is. He's the perfect fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He's he's the culmination of the law and the prophets. He said to them, You can't tell that that, that your Savior Savior has come. So through 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 prophecy, the Lord and through his apostles, the Lord himself and through his apostles, his holy apostles and prophets and through the Old Testament prophets, to a certain extent, prophesied that these things would happen. Be not, be not, be not um, amazed when we see these things happen. Now, how bad this coronavirus is going to spread, whether it's going to last during the summer, which it could, because right now it does exist in several warm climates, in Miami, etc. So it could last throughout the summer. We don't know. We, it may not be like the normal, quote-unquote, normal flu viruses that come during the winter and then die out during the spring. Uh, in, in summer months. This one could rage on. We don't know. Coronavirus is not new, but this strain, this particular strain of the coronavirus is a novel, novel, meaning new. That word in Latin means new. So we don't know. We should, we should prepare, but we should trust in the Lord. We should, we should continue to serve the Lord no matter what. We, should con we, we never stop serving the Lord. We never stop trusting in the Lord. And we ask the Lord to give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in dealing with this situation. And what we don't want to do is be uh, oblivious to what's going on around us. You know, there are some of us, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, they want to, you know, I don't claim that and this is not real. And, and you've got people out there saying it's a hoax by the Democratic Party to beat President Trump. Please stop. you got one Christian college president. Uh, well, I'll say who he is since it's public knowledge. Jerry Falwell Jr., saying this is just something to defeat President Trump. He's going to keep his school, Liberty University, in, um, in Lynchburg, Virginia. He's going to keep the school open. Okay, if you want to keep the school open, you're the president. That's your decision, although it may not be a very wise decision. Only time will tell. But don't, don't say this is, um, this is uh, the, the Democrats did this to bring down President Trump. Stop. Okay, stop. Okay. So anyway, I'm going to take you into 1 John chapter 2, and he's going to say some things that he said 2,000 years ago that applied then, but also applied today. He's, 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 John is warring against false teachers, false teachings that have even then, that had even, in, even then uh, crept into the church. And if they crept into the church 2,000 years ago, you know those things are in the church now, because the Bible says 
that, that perilous times would come and they would get worse and worse. So if John is talking about false teachers that crept into the church and teachings that crept into the church 2,000 years ago, then obviously 2,000 years after he said those things, those things are still around. And, and they're getting worse and worse. Let us pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bless you, we praise you. We thank you for your Holy Son, Jesus, who is our Redeemer, our salvation. He is, the, he is the Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd. He is the Chief Shepherd. Blessed be his name forever. We thank you for his blood that was shed at Calvary's cruel cross for our every sin. We bless you and we praise you. Lord, we pray for the church. We pray for those churches. We pray for those churches that love you, that had to make the very, 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 very difficult decision to suspend services and to go online, Lord. We know how that might negatively affect uh, the, the income, the intake of income that's needed to pay mortgages and, and pay for other programs and salaries and things, Lord. Lord, we, we pray for those churches. We fast for them, Lord. We pray for those churches and pastors and members, Lord. We pray we pray for those, Lord, whose jobs will be affected uh, inside the church and outside the church, Lord. We pray for this situation. We pray for leadership, Lord, although we vehemently disagree with some leadership decisions, words, and policies, you have commanded us to pray for all who are in authority. And so we pray, Lord God, by Jesus Christ, that you would invest leadership at the federal and state and local levels, Lord, with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, as some of them have to make excruciatingly painful decisions, Lord, concerning uh, su suspending activities and things like that, Lord. We just pray, we pray, we pray. But we know, Lord, you said all these things would come to pass, and you cannot lie. Your word is true. And the scriptures cannot be broken. We bless you and we praise you through Jesus Christ. I pray that as a result of this teaching and preaching and the result of teaching and preaching all over the world, Lord, that fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit will be manifested by Jesus, your son, we pray. And we thank you for the privilege of mentioning your blessed name. Amen and amen. If you look in Matthew 24, when you get a chance, if you look in Matthew 24 and uh, um, 7, and look in Luke 21, 11, it might be in Mark. I didn't get a chance to look it up in Mark 13. It talks about in the last days, there will be famines, there will be pestilences. The word pestilence means plague. So the Lord said these things would happen. Now, again, when he said that, he's talking about what's called the Olivet Discourse. And those events in the Olivet Discourse have not had yet happened. He's talking about something that still hasn't happened. But there are events that lead up to that time period that are similar to what's going to be going on then. So the plagues, if you look at the U.S. Geological Survey, it shows an exponential increase in earthquakes uh, on the earth in the last several hundred years. All these are signs. All these are signs that the Lord is, one, about to come back for the church. We don't know when. Two, that the, that the, uh, that the Great Tribulation, which will happen sometime after the Lord comes back for the church, will happen. And during the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist will be revealed. He talks about it in Second Thessalonians, in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, and in other places. So all of these things are happening. The Lord said they would happen. The Lord said they would happen. The Lord said they would happen. And the, Lord, and the Bible is God's word. It's, it's not the word of man. It's not the word of the white man or the black man, the Hispanic man, the Asian man, the gay man, the straight man. The Bible is God's word. We know it because the Bible is true, and what, and what the Bible says will happen does indeed happen. No man has the ability to say that something's going to happen, and then 1,500 years or 3,000 years or 700 years later it comes to pass. No man has that ability. No man has that ability. Only God knows the beginning from the end and then back to the beginning. 
That's why the Lord said, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. No man has that ability. The only men who have that ability have been given that ability through prophecy uh, by the Spirit of God. Only God can reveal the future. I don't even know what's going to happen in 15 minutes from now. If you had said three weeks ago that public schools would be shut down and over 20 million kids would be out of school, if you had said that three weeks ago or three months ago, people would have said, what are you talking about? You see that? We don't know. We should humble ourselves and say, Lord, as the prophets used to say, Lord, you know. When God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Ezekiel said, Lord, why are you asking me? You know, because the Lord knows all things. He was The, the Lord knew, but he was asking Ezekiel for the sake of you know, conversation there to, for the sake of effect. It's like a rhetorical question where you already know the answer. Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Lord, thou knowest. The Lord knows, y'all. Let's humble ourselves and serve the Lord. Let's go into 1 John chapter 2. Let's finish chapter 2 today, and then we'll go into 1 John chapter 3. I've got an outline here. I posted it on Facebook this morning, I think about 6, 7 o'clock this morning. And uh, we're going to pick up at uh, verse 18. John says, little children. And when he says little children, he's not being literal like five-year-olds. He means the, the individuals who were that he was speaking to who were under his superintendency. John was an apostle. And he was he was a superintendent of, of these of these churches, etc. So he calls them little children. He said it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And that's Antichrist with a capital A, the the Antichrist. John says he's coming, but he hasn't come yet. He hadn't come yet 2000 years ago and he still hasn't come yet. But listen to what John says. Even now, many Antichrists have come. That's with a lowercase a. John says, many antichrists have come, now watch this, by which we know it is the last hour. John says there are signs that indicate we're in the last days. He said that 2,000 years ago. So if you know he said it 2,000 years ago, you know, or 1,900 years ago, whenever he wrote this epistle, you know if it was true 1,900 years ago, it has to be even more true today because we are closer today than we were. John didn't know. He didn't know when the antichrist would appear because the Holy Spirit didn't give him that revelation, just like the Holy Spirit has not told us when Jesus is coming back. No man, Jesus said, knows the hour, not even the angels in heaven. Jesus said, not even the son. He says, but the father. So nobody, nobody knows when Jesus will return. And if anybody tell you he's going to return in 10 years and we got to get on the mountaintop and, and buy this, you know, uh, or buy this food it's because Jesus is coming back in 2036, don't believe them because they don't know. Nobody does. John says that uh, we know it's the last hour. John, and the word hour here doesn't mean 60 minutes. It means it's the last, like, age, period of time. Right? They went out from us, Paul, uh, John said, I, I said Paul, John said, they went out from us, but they were not of us. He's talking about people who are, the Bible uses a word apostates. The word apostates means those who depart from the true teachings of God's word apostates. John says they went out from us, but they were not of us. In other words, they were posing. He says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would, they would um, no doubt have continued with us. But because they were apostates, they, 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 they couldn't stand to, to continually live under the truth of the gospel. They went out from us to prove, to, to, to be manifested that they were not true disciples. 
The example I gave Friday, if you look in John chapter 6, when Jesus said that he's the bread of life, and he began to teach and he began to say uh, how unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. As, as he began to call for a total commitment, the Bible says that many of his disciples, meaning the, many of the people who have been listening to his teachings, they turned back and they walked no, no more with him. The Bible says in John 6 and 64, well, let, me, let me go up to... Um, uh, verse 62 of John chapter 6. What if it, what and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before, which is at the right hand of the Father, right? It is the Spirit that quickens, meaning it's the Holy Spirit who brings life. I can speak words to you like I'm speaking right now, but I can't bring life to you. Only the Holy Spirit can quicken you, can bring you life. If you believe these words that I'm speaking, I cannot bring you life. I could not bring myself life. Only the Holy Spirit he says, it is the spirit who quickens, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. Then Jesus said, but there are some of you that believe not. He says, there are some of you, you've been following me and listening to my teachings, but you don't believe. You're apostates. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who would betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me. Listen to this. No man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. You can't even come to Jesus unless the Bible says the, the, that the Father draws you. So, you know, sometimes we get a big head about, oh, I came to Jesus and I did this and I did that. Jesus said, you can't even come to me unless, the fa unless it's the will of the Father, unless you, unless you receive, unless you allow the Holy Spirit to quicken you, to make you alive through the faith that you uh, um, uh, manifest by listening to his word. Then it says in verse 66, and I find it very strange that it's John 6 and 66. I don't know if that's coincidence. It might not be. But in John 6, 6, 6, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. John 6, 6, 6. They were apostates. They, they, they departed from the truth of the gospel. Then Jesus said to the twelve apostles, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now there was one more person who was going to depart because he was also an apostate, and I think you know who that was. And we believe, Peter said, and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of, the, one of you is a devil? In other words, there's one more apostate uh, among you twelve. And the Bible says in John 6, 7, 1, He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Those were apostates. They departed from the truth. John says, going back to First John chapter 2, John says, If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Now, John is going to say something here. You have an anointing from the Holy One. If you're a true believer, a true believer. I'm not talking about if you're religious, if you're spiritual, if you're walking in your truth. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, a true believer. If you've trusted in Christ, what he did at the cross, the fact that he died on the cross and God literally raised him from the dead. John says you have an anointing from the Holy One. 
and you know all things. I mean, he say, he's saying, you're not going to be deceived because you've got an anointing from the Holy One. You know all things. John says in verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. You hear that? The Bible has absolutes. Everything in the Bible is not absolute. There are some gray areas and some cultural areas and stuff like that. But the Bible doctrinally has absolute truths. You're either with Jesus and you're walking in the truth or you're not with Jesus and you're not walking in the truth. Listen to what John said again. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. But who's the liar? Jesus said Satan is a liar. He was a liar from the beginning, John 8 and 44. And John is saying, you know, if, if you believe in Jesus, if you're with Jesus, then you're walking in the truth. No lie is of the truth. A lie can't be the truth like the truth can't be a lie. Then John says in verse 22, who's a liar? And he, it's a rhetorical question because he already knows the answer. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? There were, because there were teachings going around then, and just that, as there are now, denying that God could become flesh in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Because the, the teaching was that all matter is evil, and therefore God could not be, have become flesh in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, because all matter, meaning flesh included, is evil. So the teaching by the agnostics, who claimed to have special knowledge, the teaching was that it, it, that Jesus could not have been God in the flesh. And John says right here, he answers that right here, as, as he does throughout the epistle. He says, who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist. You hear that? He is, he is not, not the Antichrist with a capital A, but he's walking in the spirit of the Antichrist, because the word Antichrist means against Christ. It can also mean an alternative, another Christ, right? He is Antichrist who denies the Father. Listen to this, and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, oh my Lord, you can't have the Father and not have the Son. You can, John says, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. You can't say, I have Jehovah. But I deny who Jesus is. John says you're a liar. You can't do that. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Then he says, he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Then he says in verse 24, therefore let that abide in you. Because as Christians, we have to be careful. We have to be careful not to, you know, because Satan can come suddenly to move us away from the truth. Right? Just as many churches now have, 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 have departed from the truth. There are churches now, churches that meet on Sundays, etc. There are churches that deny the basic truths of the Bible. Basic truths of the Bible. That Jesus literally rose from the dead. That he died on the cross for our sins. Uh, uh, that, that Jesus is, is the, um, is, is, is the God-man. That he is 100% man and 100% God. And that a man walked the earth and, and it was God when he walked the earth named Jesus. There are churches that deny that or, or that deny the teachings concerning uh, lifestyle. There are churches now teaching you can live any lifestyle you want to. It, 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 it be, it, they're denying the basic truths of the gospel. They are apostate. Who was, it a li who was a liar? Okay, let me let me move on. Verse 24, therefore let that abide in you. 
Remember Jesus said, abide, I am the true vine, you're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and I in you. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Well, John is using the same language as his Lord and Savior and your Lord and Savior and my Lord and Savior. He says, therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. He's saying, don't be moved away from the truth of the gospel. Don't be moved away by these fad spiritual diets that are sweet to the tongue. But they're going to rot. They're, they're, they're going to rot your spiritual bones. They're going to infest your spiritual bloodstream like a virus. He says, "Don't be." He says, "Don't be. Don't be moved away." Like Paul said to the Galatians. Paul said to the Galatians, "I marvel that you're so soon moved away from him who called you into the truth of the gospel unto another gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ." Paul said, "Though an angel from heaven come to you and preach any other gospel, let him be accursed." John is saying the same thing. He says, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that which you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Notice he says, in the Son and in the Father, in the Son and in the Father. Jesus said in John 5 and 23, all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And I use the analogy, if I send my children on a mission and, and if you disrespect my children, you've disrespected me. If you slap my children around, then you disrespect, you disrespect their father who sent them. Well, Jesus and John are saying essentially the same thing here. And he says, this is the promise that he has promised us. Listen to this promise here, eternal life. And Jesus is not a, a politician who, who you know, uh, goes by the whims of the political um, uh, winds that blow. Jesus is not a politician who, who makes promises and then rescinds those promises. The Bible says he cannot lie. The promises of God are yea, yea, <laughs> glory to the Lamb of God. Believe in the promise that he has given us. John says eternal life. He didn't promise that I would have a seven-bedroom house. He didn't promise that I would have my own jet. He didn't promise that, you know, all my children would be super successful and everything would be, you know, nice and I'd have a, pit, a picket fence around my house and my wife and I would always get along. He didn't promise that. He did not promise that. He promised eternal life. Now, some of those some of those other things can happen if, if certain situations happen. But a lot of that stuff has to be based on human behavior. But eternal life, he says, the Lord has promised. And, and the Bible says that God cannot lie. Then he says, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. I was reading the commentary this morning by Dr. Wearsby, whose Bible I'm reading the Wearsby Bible right here. Dr. Wearsby said the Satan comes like a lion to devour and like a serpent to deceive. Because <laughs> I was reading his commentary on this uh, on first uh, John here. Satan comes like a lion to devour. But he, he doesn't always come roaring like a, a lion, you know, to like that lion on the MGM, you know, when the movie comes on, 20th Century Fox or whatever. He doesn't always come like a roaring lion. He also comes like a slithering subtle, like he did in Genesis 3 with, with Eve. The serpent, he came subtly, slithering. He was subtle. And that's where we see today. We see people moving away from the truth of the gospel. Subtle but yet just as dangerous. Somebody said a wooden house does not have to worry about the woodpeckers on the outside. It has to worry about the termites 
on the inside. A wooden house, if you'll picture the church as a metaphor of a wooden house. The wooden house doesn't have to worry about the, term the woodpeckers on the outside. The wooden house has to worry about the termites that are on the inside. Meaning this, this, this erosion of, the, of believing the truth of the gospel is coming from within. Not from without. It's not coming from, you know, the, the Trump administration and the Obama administration and all of the, the Clinton administration in D.C. No, it's coming from within, within the church. John says, uh, these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. He says, the anointing which you have received from him, him being the Lord, abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Now, let me explain that. He's not saying they don't need a teacher at all, because if that's the case, he wouldn't be able to teach them. He's saying there's nobody who can go beyond the revelation they've already been given. The Bible says God has spoken in these last days by his son, Jesus. Jesus is the final revelation of God. That's, that's in essence what John is saying. He's not saying you don't need teachers in the church. You do need teachers because that's part of the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He's not saying you don't need teachers in the church. He's saying you don't need anybody to teach you anything beyond what you have already learned. There is no, there is no another testament of Jesus Christ, uh, another gospel of Jesus Christ. There, if anybody goes beyond what John said in Revelation 22, 21, amen, then they're out of order because that Jesus is God's final revelation. Anybody who goes beyond that, another testament of Jesus Christ. The Mormons have another testament of Jesus Christ. And the Koran, you've gone beyond what God has revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what John is saying. You don't need anyone teach you. You already got the revelation of who Jesus is. But as the same anointing, the same anointing, the, the, the Greek word is um, chrisma, where we get the word charismatic. But the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And if you're being taught by that anointing from the Holy Spirit, then you don't need somebody. Oh, I got a new revelation from God. Uh, but, you know, I'm not saying you don't get illumination. Illumination is fine. Oh, because you can read a, you can read the Bible and then uh, and then the next day read the same passage and get further illumination. But there's no revelation that goes beyond Jesus Christ as the head of the church and as the glorious son of God. There's no revelation that goes beyond that. That's from God. That, that God respects. You can read the Quran if you want to. You, this is America. You have that right. You can read the Mormon Bible if you want to. You go ahead. You, you have that right. <laughs> you have that right. But God spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son, by whom he made all things. So why, would, why, do, you need, why do I need to read the Quran, which doesn't acknowledge the glory, the majesty of Jesus Christ? It, it acknowledges his existence, but it doesn't acknowledge his glory, his majesty. It doesn't acknowledge him as being raised from the dead uh, and, and seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, it, it doesn't acknowledge that he is God. He is the God man. There's one God and one and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So why do I need to read the Quran? Why? For what? Re I'm just saying, for what reason? Why do I need to read the Mormon Bible? What is it going to tell me that Matthew through Revelation haven't already told me? That's all I'm saying here.
You do not need anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Remember, the, 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 the illumination of God's word comes from the Holy Spirit. God uses people, whether it's me or you or someone else, God uses people. But you cannot understand his word unless it comes from the Holy Spirit. I cannot make you understand God's word. God had to open it up to me shortly after I got saved. So I, I don't have the ability to make you understand the Bible. The illumination comes from the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a good example. When John was on the Isle of Patmos, there's no record that anybody else was on that island who, who was with him who believed in Jesus. He had been, ex he had been exiled there by the emperor, Roman emperor Domitian for preaching the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. But while he was on that island... He got the revelation of Jesus Christ. He got he wrote the book of Revelation because even though he was on that island, that didn't prohibit God from revealing things. It's the same John who wrote this letter here, same John who wrote the gospel, same John who wrote second and third John. So John wrote these five books: Gospel of John, First John, Second John, Third John, and the Revelation. So here's my point. You could be on an island and you could be the only one on the island. It doesn't mean God can't speak to you because he spoke to John. John, that was a, a windswept island about 30 miles off the, uh, off the coast in, in, in the Aegean Sea. So John is on this island. He said, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the Lord came to him while he was on that island and gave him the most sweeping prophetic revelation, really, that's in the Bible. The book of Revelation is really a compilation of all the other prophecies and things in the Bible in Old and New Testament. So here's my point. John says the anointing, the revelation, the illumination of God in Christ, it comes from the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? It, it may come through a person, but it has to come by the Holy Spirit. You do not need anyone teach you just as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Then he closes the chapter out, and then I'll close in a few minutes. He says, and now little children, abide in him. He keeps saying that because at the end of the book, at the end of chapter 5, which we won't get to today, he says, keep yourselves from idols. Little children, keep you. It's the very last verse in, in, in 1 John chapter 5. He says, keep yourselves from idols. So he's letting them know you, you, you're walking in the truth, but you got to be careful. Because even though you're walking in the truth, you're living in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation as it was then, so it is now. I'm walking in the truth, but I got to be careful. I got to stay in the truth. I got to stay in prayer. I got to continue fasting. I got to continue in obedience to God so I can continue to be focused on the truth of the gospel. Lest I be carried away with some universalist universalism some of this, a lot of this foolishness that's being preached and taught out here. I have to be careful myself. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him. Listen to that, at his coming. So he mentions the second coming of Jesus to, for the church. John says, abide in him that when he appears, we may, be, we, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So he mentions what we call the parousia where Jesus will appear in the air. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Now watch this, the dead in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The dead in Christ. 
those who died knowing Jesus. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will remain, we who, who believe in Jesus, right? We who are alive will remain, will be caught up. Hallelujah, glory to the Lamb of God. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the Bible says we ought to comfort one another with those words. John says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Let me read the outline to you and then I'll get out of your way. Okay. All right, here we go. Point number one, the Antichrist has not yet arrived, but that spirit has been here for a long time. Point number two, we are living in an age of apostasy, a departure from the truth. That word apostasy, that, that, that root word apo is from the Greek word means to depart, to move away from. So we're living in an age where, where people are moving away from the truth of the gospel. All right. Point number three, true believers have an anointing from the Holy One, which assures that we will constantly receive revelation instruction that exalts our Lord Jesus Christ. Any, any teaching that does not exalt Jesus Christ is a lie. Any teaching that puts Jesus on an equal level with some other prophet, any teaching that goes beyond what the apostles and the prophets taught is a lie. It's a satanic lie. Number four, the apostle John declares that there are indeed biblical absolutes and that no lie is of the truth. If your children come home and you say, where were you? And they say, I was in the library studying and they smell like weed. They're lying. <laughs> They're lying. No lie is of the truth. Well, you, you say you're studying for your final exam and you smell like you've been smoking Mexico's finest. No lie is of the truth. Number five, the holy apostle continues declaring biblical absolutes truths when he unflinchingly asks the rhetorical question, who is a liar but he or she who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So when those people come to your door, if you let them in, the Bible says don't let them in. But when those people come to your door or you see those people in the marketplace, if they deny anything that the Bible says about the son, that they don't have the father. Point six, John declares that it is the ultimate package deal. You can't have the father and deny the son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He says you can't do it. Point seven, divine truth must be nurtured within us by prayer, Bible study, and a, a fasting and a consecrated life to God, which of course fasting would be part of that. A consecrated life to God. Otherwise, even once devout Christians can be led astray by satanic, subtle teachings. Remember, I said he can come in as a serpent. He can he can roar like a lion to devour, but he can come in like a serpent to deceive. What is the ultimate reward for our faithfulness? Eternal life. We're not saved by our works. But we are rewarded for our works. The ultimate prize for, our, for our, our, our life before the Lord, our faithfulness, is eternal life. That's, that's what the Bible promises. It, it didn't promise that I would own my own movie studio. If I do one day, that's fine. It didn't promise I would have 36 books published. If I do, that's fine. But it doesn't promise that. It promises eternal life. And if, 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 if the preachers of the gospel, if we would stop saying that God said that wherever you walk, that's your land. God didn't tell you that. God told Abraham that. He didn't tell you that. God told Abraham that. You can't take what God told Abraham and apply it to everybody else. That, that's, that's, that's not correctly interpreting the scriptures. God said 
This is your season and wherever you, your feet walk in the next 72 hours, that's your land. And then point out a scripture where God said that to Abraham in the book of Genesis. You can't do that. That's not, that's not, that's not being faithful to God's word. You're deceiving God's people and setting them up for the, for the big letdown. What is the ultimate reward for our faithfulness, eternal life? Point nine, the Holy Apostle writes because the Holy Spirit has instructed him to counter the satanic lies of the false teachers who deny basic biblical truths. The Holy Apostle once again reminds his hearers that they have an unction. If you're a true believer in Jesus, you have an unction, you have a chrisma. It's where we get the word charisma. It's where we get the word charismatic. You have an, a chrisma, an unction, a divine anointing that assures that no one else can add to what God has revealed to his children. Nobody can come to me and, and with, 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 with false doctrine. They can't. It's not because I'm so special. It's because I have that anointing from the Holy One. You can't come to me and show me a Mormon Bible and convince me that the revelation of Jesus Christ is in that book. You cannot come to me with the Koran and tell me that there's revelation about Jesus Christ that's in that book. I already got the book. I got Genesis through Revelation. Why, why do I need the Quran or, the, or the, the writings of the Dalai Lama, the writings of the Buddha? Why? Why? <laughs> I'm driving a Mercedes. Why are you going to come to me with a Kia? <laughs> yeah. So it says here, let's see, let's, you have a divine anointing that assures that no one else can add to what God has revealed to his children. Any further revelation is not of God, for he has spoken in these last days through Jesus, his son. Hebrews 1 and 2. Number 10, true believers in Jesus must abide in him by being steadfast in the doctrinal diet that Jesus, the master chef, has given us. Beware of spiritual fad diets, which are sweet to the taste, but rotten to the spiritual bones and bloodstream. Point 11. Notice that the Holy Apostle mentioned Christ appearing, the parousia. He ties this eternal truth to whether we will rejoice at the reality of this event or will be a sh uh, shrink away from him in shame at his coming, which is um, 1 John 2.28 in the New American Standard Bible. And the last point, point 12. John closes this chapter by declaring that because Jesus is righteous, hallelujah, Jesus is the righteousness of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Because Jesus is righteous, everyone who lives a life of righteousness, of true righteousness, is born of him. It's 1 John chapter 2. Friday, Lord willing, we'll, we'll, we'll go into 1 John chapter 3. Can I read the first verse of it to you? <laughs> uh, let me read the first verse of it. Oh, I love it. First, the first verse of 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. Let me read the first three verses. Because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I like the whole three verses, but I like what the last verse says. Everybody who has the hope of Jesus purifies himself just as he is pure. 
And I like that because one of the purposes of prophecy, a lot of people don't want to get into prophecy. They, uh, they, they don't want to read biblical prophecy. You know, one of the purposes of biblical prophecy is to give us an expectation of what God is going to do, which should help to cause us to want to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. Like the Bible says in 1 Peter, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Everybody who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So prophecy is not so just so we can speculate who the beast is and you know what what does uh you know seven dragons in, in Revelation 16 or something like that. Prophecy should give us hope and anticipation that God cannot lie, he's gonna fulfill his promises. I don't care how many viruses. This coronavirus is mild compared to some of the stuff that has already happened. The, the plague of 1918, which killed, some people say 100 million. I've seen, six, I've seen 50 to 100 million, 20 million in India, about 700,000 in this country. So, uh, and then you had, the, you, you had the bubonic plague, you had the Black Death. My point is, these are all signs that the earth, the age is slowly but surely coming to a conclusion. My, my maternal grandmother was born uh, in 1918. That's one reason that, 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 that flu in, influenza pandemic is interesting to me. But strangely enough, that flu, that strain of the flu affected people mostly 20 to 40. Now go figure that out. Where, where, the, where, where the flu normally mostly affects older people who have um, underlying conditions like diabetes, emph um, uh, emphysema, other respiratory ailments, or it'll affect very young people, children whose um, immune systems are not quite, you know, fully developed yet. But that 1918 flu affected people mostly for 20 to 40. And one theory is, and it's just a theory, that people who were born, uh, let's say, in 1840, 1850, and who would have been like 68, 70 at the time of the 1918 flu, one theory is that their immune system had you know, been built to tolerate it. That's just a theory. It's just a theory. And also you had soldiers during World War One who were housed closely together in many unsanitary conditions and they were carrying the flu and spreading the flu and then going around the world during World War One. So you had people going around the world from all different countries, France, Germany, England, the United States, etc. And it was almost like everybody in the same room shaking hands and kissing each other and passing the flu back and forth, back and forth. Then they also said about the flu in 1918, some people were affected in families and then some people in the same family weren't affected at all. And then there, I read a story about a Methodist preacher who kept on going and visiting his members and, and he and he was never affected. So go figure. Sometimes the flu will do that. It'll, it'll kill three people in one family, make a fourth person sick, make the fifth person not even affect that person. Who, who can understand? Who can understand anything that's a virus? Who can really understand it? Let's be faithful to the Lord. Let's continue to pray for the church. Let's continue to pray for the political leadership that they will put aside all the ego tripping and squabbling and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, you know, look to me and no, 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 no. Let's continue to pray for them that they will humble themselves before the Lord. And, um, and, uh, I know president Trump, excuse me, uh, declared this as national prayer day. Okay. I thank God for that, but, um, let's continue to pray. 
uh, for the church especially. Let's pray for believers. And again, pray for churches that have to make these decisions. Again, I'm I'm blessed. I don't have I don't have to try to raise money. I I just I just have to have the internet. As long as I have the internet and a couple of iPads and an iPhone, I'm good. But you know, you got churches that that uh, take in thousands and hundreds of thousands, and in some cases, like some of these mega churches, they take in millions millions of dollars a week. And so, when you get everybody to go online, you know, sometimes uh, the, the, even if the offering drops thirty percent or twenty five percent, that could be devastating in some cases. So. Let us trust in the Lord. Let us look to him for our, uh, our, um, our, uh, our, our being, our well-being. Let us continue to pray. I, I hate the fact that they're saying you, you should stop going to nursing homes because those people are already in the loneliest period of their lives. They're in the last, in many, most cases, they're in the last um, phase of their lives. And in many cases, they're already lonely. And now people are being told, don't go to the nursing home because you may pass something to them or they may pass something to you. And I really hate that because that's the, that's already a lonely... I've preached in nursing homes before and many of them are there and there's no... Many of them have nobody to visit them, etc. Or they'll just have periodic visitors or whatever. And it's a very lonely time, uh, a very lonely time. I personally don't believe... I, I wish everybody could stay at home with family, but such is not the case. Let's continue to pray for the elderly, etc. Pray about this situation. Uh, there are cases of it now in Miami in other warm climates. So there are people like President Trump, you know, prophesying that it, it's going to die down when the warmer weather comes. There are cases of it in, in, in warm weather climates in Australia, Tom Hanks and his wife in Australia, Miami. There are cases of it now in warm weather climates. So there's no there's no guarantee it's going to die down when the weather gets warm it it may, it may it may continue and continue and continue and continue we we don't know we don't know we don't know and that's why we need the lord we need the lord we need him let me pray father in the name of the lord jesus christ we need you lord we don't always act like it but we need you lord god we need you lord god we need you we need you lord hallelujah to the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world we need you lord we pray for the churches, Lord, the body of your dear son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you will bless those who love you. We pray that you will bless them to get through this, this matter, Lord, financially and spiritually, relationally, emotionally. Oh, God, we pray. We pray for the elderly. We pray for all those affected, Lord, by this pandemic. We pray for political leadership, that you would endow them with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and humility, Lord God. Help us to humble ourselves before you and to stop squabbling and bickering lord god and one up political one-upsmanship help us lord god by jesus christ your dear son i pray that this teaching and preaching and preaching and teaching all over the world i pray that fruit and gifts of the holy spirit will be the result oh god we need you as we await the appearing of your dear son jesus in the air blessed be your name forever i pray for everybody under the sound of my voice bless them tremendously their lives their family their finances their relationship, their health, Lord God. Just bless them exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think by Jesus Christ. Please forgive us for our sins. Help us to say no to sin. No, 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 no. Help us to say no to sin and yes to righteousness, which is only found in your dear son, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and, and dominion both now and forever. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll come again to you. Come to you again, uh, Lord willing, Friday, the 20th of May, March. <laughs> March. 
We'll come the 20th of March and we'll pick up at 1 John chapter 3. It has 24 verses, so I'll probably do the first 12 verses on Friday the 20th and then the um, second 12 verses on Sunday the 22nd. Then there's chapter 4. And chapter 4 has 20, 21 verses, so that'll take two lessons. And then chapter 5, I mean, I could do the lesson in, in one lesson. It's just it would take an hour and a half. So I'm, I'm trying, you know, it doesn't bother me, but I don't want to be, you know, too overbearing here. And then chapter 5 has 20 verses, looks like 20 verses, 21. So it looks like chapters 3, 4, and 5, I'm, I'm going to have to split in two. So we're talking about next week, two lessons, following week, two lessons, following week, two lessons. All right. God bless you, my beloved. You be strong. You be careful out there. And, and uh, remember, faith does not give us permit, permission to act foolishly. Glory to, to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Pray for me. Bathe me in prayer. Please bathe me in prayer. By Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Take care. Bye. just 